Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Unqualified. You know today's guests from her early days on Disney's Jesse and Bunked, Diary of a Wimpy Kid as a badass in the Netflix hit Cobra Kai, and her upcoming show, School Spirits. Here she is, Peyton List. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. You have no idea how long I've been listening to this podcast. Really? Yes. For so long. All my friends, when you started it years ago, told me like, you have to listen to this podcast. And I've been listening since. That is really kind of you. And it's also really nice because you'll know the deal because we're going to talk to somebody and attempt to give them advice. I bet you're really good at it. But Peyton, will you tell us about School Spirits? I saw the trailer. It looks awesome. And it's launching on Paramount Plus on March 9th, right? Yes. You play a character named Maddie. Yes. Who has been murdered. Yes. And in your afterlife are struggling with... I couldn't quite tell if you know who murdered you yet. No. So you're kind of in this purgatory. Mm -hmm. And it seems like some of your classmates have also been murdered. Is that right? Or are they alive and they can interact with you? So no one who's alive can interact with me. Only the dead students who have passed from random things. I mean, one of them was also murdered, but the others have just had random accidental high school deaths. How many episodes do you have in the bank? Eight. What were like the challenges of shooting eight? I assume they're hour long episodes. I mean, I bet exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit shorter <laughs> than an hour, which is great. But it was interesting just even doing like the practical effects of being dead and no one else being able to see me. They would just be yelling, no one look at Peyton or make eye contact or walk in her vicinity. And I was like, this sounds so intense. I swear I'm nice. Did it make you feel lonely? I would forget because once they would call cut, I felt like background and crew and people would still kind of like be ignoring me or not looking at me. And so it did feel a little odd at points. I felt like I had to clarify and like make announcements like, hey, guys, I would love to talk to you guys. What do you like about your character? She's such a strong, strong person. And you kind of realize after she's died how much of her life she didn't share with her friends and how much they shared with her. She was just so private. And I mean, I don't think that's the healthy way to be, but I also respect just how much of a rock she was for everyone else and then how much she was struggling with silently at such a young age. That's kind of heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And you have not had a typical high school, like, I mean, I kind of did. When I talk to people that have been acting since they were a kid, I'm always like searching for their conclusions of what their unique struggles were and are. Especially when you're auditioning against like everybody else, your age, your friends, and that kind of competitive field at a young age, grappling with jealousy on a different scale. Will you speak to that a little bit? Mm -hmm. 
I more than anything wanted to get this show when I was auditioning at 12 years old. You know, it was like my dream. I wanted it so bad. And then you get there and you're on set with three different kids who aren't exactly your age. And I guess both sides are difficult because I went to normal school in Brooklyn in New York and I dealt with really shitty kids. And I'm sure I was like a shitty kid as well back. But like it was just I did not love school. That was part of the reason I even wanted to act was to get out of it. But it's funny. It's like the grass is always greener on either side. But yeah, I've been kind of trying to piece together, oh, who would I have been if I stayed in New York and kept going to school there and doing that whole thing versus coming to LA and changing my life completely and all really by choice. Like my parents were just supportive of this kid, which is insane to me because I don't know if I would do that. If I ever had a child that they wanted to act, I don't know if I would drop everything for this kid to pursue their dreams. It's because you know better. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, you can finish school and then go from there. In my teens and 20s, I think one of my bigger character flaws was not being able to deal with envy very well. Yeah. Would you consider yourself like prone to envy and like jealous? I mean, we all are, right? Uh -huh. And then it's a matter of like how we grapple with it. But will you speak to that idea a little bit? Like, would you consider that a character trait of yours? Yeah, I would say it's definitely there. When there's no men around, it doesn't really come out at all. I'm fine. But then the second a man is introduced into the equation... And then he sort of starts comparing people in the room, mm -hmm. you know, especially if I'm like in love with someone and they bring up someone else that they really admire, then I have to check myself. I always check myself with jealousy and envy, I think because my mom checked me from a really young age and she would say, that's so ugly. Don't do that. And she would check me. And so I think I try to check myself still and go, okay, are you just thinking that because are you, you know, mistaking really admiring them for this? And so I'll try to just call myself out. It's hard, though. It's really hard, especially in this industry. Like, we always have to compare ourselves. And then you add social media in. And, like, we all have to compare ourselves on social media. And it's really hard. And it's crazy because I feel like all of my most, like, successful, beautiful friends say that they compare. And I'm like, you do it? Oh, God, if you do it, then I feel a lot better about myself. It's true that there's a relief in just understanding that it's collective, that it's kind of universal, at least, where we're at. But that it's really interesting that your mom would say that to you. Mm -hmm. She sounds really strong. My mom would say, don't be boy crazy, uh, which I think it was an important message. But first of all, no guys were into me. <laughs> but <laughs> That's crazy to me. Thanks. I mean, I've been bleaching my hair and fundamentally... I feel like a pretty attractive person, but I just spent so many years wanting beauty. And I guess that's one of the nice things about getting older is that you get just kind of tired. <laughs> but I'm interested about your mom instilling these kind. And I know that you have two brothers. That's intense. Yeah. Does your mom have sisters? She does. She has three sisters. So I think that might be part of it, too. Did you feel like she was determined to make you strong and independent? Yeah. Yeah. She's a super tough woman. Yeah. She definitely wanted to make me strong as well. Did you ever resent being born a girl? Yes. Oddly enough, though, yes and no, because I have a twin brother. And so I felt like we were treated very equally and like given the same opportunities. They even put me on the basketball team with him as a kid. And I was always the one that got better grades in school. We kind of flip-flopped roles. And so I didn't resent being a girl at that age. What is it like to have a twin? 
Before I got pregnant, I took a very common fertility drug that increases your chance. And I was really nervous about the idea of having twins, mostly because I didn't want them to be closer to each other. (laughs) Yeah, and gang up on you. Yeah. I didn't want them to have like the twin connection. Is that a myth? Like, (laughs) tell me about the identity of being a twin and how people perceive that. I don't think the myth about them ganging up on everyone else, I don't think that's a myth. Like, my mom said that we were too powerful because we would just laugh at everything. Like, we would just think everything was funny because when you're both getting in trouble, it doesn't really seem that intense. You know, like authority just doesn't really matter because you're like, well, we're both in this. And like, I think it was more him. And you're just putting the blame on someone else. Is there pressure to be close, to be like super tight? Like as you get older, like what is that like? Yeah, it's interesting. We've become much closer now. We definitely like have waved growing up and have gone away from each other and then come back because we both are growing at such different rates. And I feel like there's certain things that he's grown a little bit faster in. And I do feel like there's a pressure in that sense. But yeah, I think the pressure is more people trying to tell the other their problems with each of us. And we're just so different. I'm like, guys, stop telling me your problems with him. Go figure it out with him. I'm not his mother. I am not going to figure this out for him. That's interesting that there's like societal pressure for you to somehow be threaded into each other's trials in life. (laughs) Is he competitive with you? I have an older brother and we had a really hard relationship growing up. We're close now and I love him ferociously. But I think, especially in like a non-acting family, there will always be a degree of sibling competitiveness, which is kind of torturous. Do you still feel it now? Yeah. It ebbs and flows. Like sometimes we will be so tight and really talk to each other about our relationships outside of our family or our family dynamic. And then other times we kind of drift apart and usually... It feels like the pattern kind of is almost economical a little bit, which is unfortunate. And I think that my parents are incredibly loving and so supportive to both of us. Sometimes I think that they maybe didn't let us develop our own relationship very well. And that has been, I guess, just life. But Onto something slightly lighter. I do find it really interesting that your mom said this is ugly because that to me like rang true. Mm. That is exactly the kind of shit my mom says to me. Mm. Okay, Peyton, are you a cold weather, warm weather? Like if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? I would definitely live in warm weather. I wanted to travel. Well, okay, like two hours out of Cabo San Lucas. I went surfing there once. I'm not a surfer, but I would like to live there and get good at surfing because I think it's so cool. And there's peace and like quiet and like solitude, right? Mm-hmm. So quiet. And I like the weather there, how it never gets too cold. At what age do you feel like you felt like you were in love, whether or not that shifted? I think I felt in love for the first time at 20 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you weren't necessarily a kid romantic like I was in like third grade. I was like, oh, I love this person. (laughs) Oh, no, I thought I loved everyone. Like I had so many crushes. I feel like throughout my whole life, like if I don't have a crush at the moment, then life is not worth living at the moment. Like I'll always feel a crush and I love love. I feel like that's the reason I want to live is just always to have a crush. (laughs) What happened at 20? Because I didn't go to normal school, I always fall in love with someone I'm working with, which is like such a red flag. How can you not? I really need to not do that. 
But yeah, it was someone that I was working with on a movie and he was older and I thought he was so cool. And we dated for like two years after the movie. And I just loved everything he said. And he taught me so much and we like traveled together. And it was just like such an epic thing at 20 years old. Where did you guys travel to? We traveled to Berlin and Paris and yeah, it was pretty fun. How much older was he? Five or six years older. And how did like the romance begin? Was it kind of instant? And how was that at work? Well, I feel like I'm such a nerd that I don't pick up on someone liking me until they flat out say, I like you. So I had no idea. And I'm so awkward. I also feel like if they start flirting, I'll like run away or just freak out. And so he asked me to dinner one night, but I thought it was a group dinner because everyone had been kind of just hanging out and going to a group dinner. And I showed up and then I realized it was a date. And yeah, it was just sort of like a slow progression over like getting to know each other and like finding love interest in this movie. Did people on set know? I don't really think a lot of people knew until afterwards. Then we started talking about it. So how was he to travel with? The reason why I wonder about like age difference is because in my like total lack of dating experience, I was always worried that a guy would be really patronizing towards me. And I'm but definitely when I was younger, incredibly proud. What were the conflicts like? What were the differences? I guess the difference were I didn't want to say anything, you know, that sounded naive or that sounded like I knew less than him. And so, yeah, I was definitely more reserved and quiet than my normal personality because I wanted to find out his interests first. So I wouldn't say anything stupid. And then over time, I realized, oh, he's a complete idiot like me. And we can be stupid together. But, you know, that was just me at 20 wanting to be cool and not having been with someone older. And that's not even that much older. But at the time, it felt crazy. What broke you guys up? I guess with distance. And he was traveling a lot for his filming. And I was too. And I guess just, yeah, I just felt like after having a bit of distance that it just didn't really feel right. Did you guys break up long distance? Like, were you guys apart? Yeah, Did you guys have like the half-life breakup where it's like you break up and then after a couple of weeks, you get back together for a shorter amount of time trying to make it work and then break up again and then get back together again for an even shorter amount of time? (laughs) I know. I feel like that usually does happen to me when breaking up because like I become such best friends and like really insert myself into the other person's life. But no, we just broke it off cold turkey and then it was the holidays It was around Christmas time and New Year's. So I was traveling and that kind of, I think, helped really break it off because we just couldn't see each other. Did you miss him? Did you cry a lot? Like, what was the heartbreak like? I cried so much. I cried so much. My poor family during the holidays, they probably just did not want me around. I feel so bad. I feel like I was that kid just like ruining the holidays for everyone because we would have, you know, a couple glasses of wine together and then I would just be bawling. Did you listen to a sad song over and over again? Oh, yeah. I'm sure I did. I can't remember what song it was, but I always have a playlist, like a breakup playlist that I'll just look out the window and cry to. Your degree of heartbreak makes me think that he was more definitive about the cutoff than you were. It was sort of that everyone around me was saying, you guys aren't right together. And so it wasn't him and it wasn't me. Oh, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Because they're not living the experience. Exactly. But I was like, okay, if every single person is telling me that this is not right at the moment, then I should listen to it. But yeah, I usually have friends who are keeping me in sort of check, but I don't want to listen to anyone. I'm with you on that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, Sadie. Hi. Hi. Sadie, thank you so much for your letter. I'm here with Peyton, who is absolutely lovely. Will you tell us what's going on? Yes, and I apologize in advance because I'm probably going to get emotional. Oh, I'm sorry. I have this job that I love, that I'm really actually good at. And I worked for this company before, and then I got recruited out for more money, and I spent nine years getting back to be where I'm supposed to be. And when I joined, one of the other coworkers left and they hired this woman who had been my friend. Oh. And turns out she's kind of an evil monster <laughs> and she makes my working life hell. And she's also my peer. We only have one boss. But for example, last week, she didn't sell enough sponsorships for an event. So she overpromised to get the sponsorship money in. So like my job is to make the commercials for the event. And so she promised them like logo placement on TV ads. And I'm like, no, she's like, we've always done that. I'm like, we've never done that. But she gets behind and it's always, I have to bail her out. And I'm pretty sick of it. And it's gotten to a point where the team is so divided. They're either on her side or my side. Oh, no. Like I just, I come to work, I do my job, I put on earphones all day, so I just don't have to interact in the drama. I don't know what to do. How long had you been friends for before she came into your workplace? We had been friends for a little over a year. We were on a board together. I would known her from my time at this office before because she'd been a volunteer here. And um, my dad passed away. And when- oh, I'm sorry. My dad passed away, she- she came in and she swooped me up and we made quilts together out of my dad's old shirts. And then like as soon as she came into this office, she was so threatened by me that it was just constantly, I have to one-up you. I have to one-up you instead of collaborating with me and maybe letting me help her succeed. So there was love there. Yeah. Oh, God. I've had some coworkers that have been really competitive with me and loving And I think I've been really confused about their agenda. (laughs) So I feel like I can really relate. It sounds like you are better at your job than she is at her job. And it's incredibly rude and betraying of her to throw you under the bus, which she probably justifies in her head. We've tried to coach and counsel 
And there's times I've literally said to her, I don't know what has happened to you. What kind of trauma has happened in your life that you are like this? How did she respond? And I assume that that was probably your most confrontational. Oh, yeah. It was a screaming match (laughs) where she came at me and she said, I have so much going on in my life. She's very a drama person. There's something always going on. Somebody's always going into rehab, getting arrested. Yep. Those people are liabilities. Yeah. If there's always a thing That is a really tough person to deal with. Mm -hmm. In our most recent blow up, I went to my boss and I said, that's it. I am fucking done. I am done with this. And she's like, we'll talk about it tomorrow at staff meeting. Yikes. And I'm like, okay. So I show up to staff meeting and my boss says, anything that happened yesterday needs to be dealt with between who was ever involved. But it's out of my hands, except for this thing that happened over here that she did to another coworker. But that coworker happens to be my boss's son. So my boss had the ability to stick up for her son, but not me. Hi. Does your boss recognize that you are a better employee? I think so. And do you mind, Sadie? Like, you don't have to get into too much detail, but with that particular blub, was that about the ad placement idea or was that something else? It was a different one. Then after that, my boss took some time off and left me alone oh, no. in the office with just this woman. And then we have another office in our office. So nobody talks to me. I'm the pariah. I'm the problem. I've been told this. I've been screamed at. And at the same time all this is happening, my boss sends me an email that says, I hope you have a good day today. I know the last couple of weeks haven't been easy for you. Hoping you can work through your feelings. This person spoke with me yesterday and took responsibility for her failures. She doesn't feel like you're open to talking with her about it. And that's why there hasn't been any interaction from her. She asked how she can make it better. And I told her I wasn't sure what to do other than to give you space. I would be open to suggestions on how to create a better working environment. I also feel I have failed. I just hope the damage isn't irreplaceable. Let's call her Janice. Okay. I suspect that she is proactive in going to your boss with shit. So therefore, your boss is lumping you two mentally kind of together. Interesting. Because if she's like, well, you know, I told Sadie to do the thing and she told me that she was going to, but then she didn't or whatever like the nonsense is and probably goes to your boss and says things like, well, my cousin got into a car accident and so I have to go do this and I don't know why all this stuff happens to me all the time. But it does like that kind of mm-hmm. and it's a really unfortunate that your boss isn't separating the two of you in that way. Do you think I'm on to something, Sadie? Well, that would make sense because I'm trying to work on myself and I'm trying to be drama free, but I keep getting pulled into it. And so of course I'm sure she thinks, well, it's those two again and they're up to their same shenanigans. Peyton, what are your thoughts? Well, have you and Janice and your boss had a conversation with just the three of you recently? Not recently. We have, but mostly I'm like, I got to put up these boundaries. So we're going to focus on work. I'll talk to you all day long about what I need to accomplish and what you need to accomplish. But you don't get access to me anymore. How much longer do you think mentally like you can handle being in this work environment? I don't know. I've been struggling. I actually took a job interview last week and I'm just terrified I'm going to get it. Why? How long have you been at this job for, Sadie? Six and a half years. And I just love what I do. I love what I do so much. 
And the other job would be kind of on the same par, but I don't think I would have as much freedom to be creative and to create the kind of content I want to create. We don't know that yet. Change is scary, but change can also be really good. It's interesting that your boss's son is also playing into like that is interesting. How much is that element bringing to the table? Quite a bit. I mean, he's a nice kid. He's good at what he does. But if she's going to protect anybody, it's always going to be her son. Of course it is. Right. Just like I would for my son. I'm really impressed that you took a job interview. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I mean, it also speaks to where you're at because this is a job that you love that you've invested emotionally into for six and a half years. Uh Then to have somebody that you loved that helped you through a hard time, not being able to be a decent coworker is a heartbreak. That is a heartbreak. How long has Janice been working with the company? Six years. And did this all kind of start to crumble as soon as she got on board? Absolutely. Oh, so you've been dealing with this for a minute. Uh Wow. But I do know that kind of heartbreak where it's like, oh, my hand is kind of being forced. And I don't know if there is a way for me to independently fix this. There was a part of me last week that just wanted to go up to my boss and say, hey, if I took another job, would it hurt you? I feel that desire. Have you acquired any time off? Oh, I have like two and a half months of time off. Oh, this is great news. Would you be willing to take it? What would I do with myself? I don't know how to do anything but work. How old is your child? I have a 32-year-old son, a 29-year-old son, and a 19-year-old son. I mean, I love to travel, so my advice is always, like, take this opportunity. Uh Like, go to an Italian hill town, eat some amazing pasta. The idea of that kind of overwhelming distraction can be incredibly healing. Peyton, what do you think? I think that sounds amazing. And also, I think that's also the best revenge. Not that you need to get revenge with these people, but just going and doing things for yourself just seems amazing. Like You deserve that after working so hard for half the people who seem ungrateful for it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're all there to make a great product and people are forgetting the goal. And I feel like taking care of yourself, like you deserve that. I'm sorry that anyone's let you feel unappreciated at your job. Just disappointing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We tell our stories, right? Like, say you've told yourself that you love your job. And I bet you do. 
and you told yourself that you are a workaholic and you kind of live to work. And this has formed your last six and a half years, but it doesn't have to. And a solid distraction from a heartbreak like this, because that's what it is, I think would be really good for you mentally, that you're not defined by this job. I'm sure that they'll miss you. I'm sure that they will see value in your work, but that doesn't necessarily define your future, even if they do. Even if they come like crying back to you, like, oh God, what were we thinking? How could we not have protected you better? You're so valuable to this team. You're so valuable. That's like the experience that I've never had. <laughs> but, you know, when the boyfriend is like, oh, what was I thinking? Cheating on you, you know, you're the best thing. I haven't had that experience. <laughs> I've always wanted it. <laughs> but thinking about what is next for you. I really, really think you should consider a change of environment, even if it's just for two weeks, visiting a place, not necessarily family or relatives, taking some kids. I think especially as women, job security and job appreciation means a whole lot to us. And I really hope that you can start to proactively think of a future, whether or not you leave this job, that is not about this work environment. I'm so impressed that you went on a job interview. It really shows of where you're at emotionally. I know that you say that you love your job, but at this point, the job is like also twisting your insides around. And it sounds like your boss is kind of weak and also has a lot of other shit going on. So you could tell your boss, I'd like to take you to lunch. And I want you to know these things. I want you to know that Janice and I had been good friends. She helped me through a really vulnerable time. And I had really high hopes. I was excited for her to join the company. This has been incredibly hard for me, her behavior, and maybe cite some specific examples that you feel that you're not heard well. I'm wondering about the phrasing of like, let's call your boss. What should we call the boss? Melanie? I don't know if you can say, Melanie, I really feel like you've left me out to dry in terms of your leadership here. And Janice, I'm sure that you're quite aware that she has a litany of continued troubles and she places blame and she passes the buck in a way that has become kind of torturous to me. And I even called these two actresses. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's not the threat of like saying if something doesn't change. Maybe it's like, I need your help and I'm asking for your help with this. I know I'm good at my job and I love it. And I've loved working with you and I love working for you, but this is what I need now. How does that idea sit with you gut wise, Sadie? I think that's exactly what I needed to hear, especially if a job offer comes in. Yeah, you're good at what you do and change is scary but it's important. And I think you can be thoughtful in this very important request. This is very important. I should have done this in my life. Mm -hmm. This is yours. And you've given a lot of heart to this company. And I think you need to look at this as though you're talking to a divorce lawyer. How does that sit with you? Is that scary? No, no, because that's a, my boss is weak. She's not going to stand up to Janice. She's not going to stand up to me. 
Right. It's just the lack of follow through with her. Oh, totally. It was rude of her to say, we're going to address this later and then not. It's rude of her to dismiss your concerns here, especially if it's not just like the personal drama. It's also she's blaming work stuff on you when you are not guilty of screwing up. And I'm always the one that comes in and fixes it. Like the other day, I asked her, I said, you write out the script for the voiceover of the TV. And she sent me bullet points. And I'm like, this is terrible. Oh. So I put it together and I'm like, okay, first of all, this is 47 seconds long. You only have 30 seconds to get this done. So you need to edit it. And it sounds terrible. You're just listing shit. (laughs) And you've probably had this same incident happen hundreds of times. Yes. And so I'd send her last year's scripts and I'd send her some edits I'd done on that. And then because of our relationship, we have to carbon copy my boss in on everything. Just she knows exactly what was said and who the problem is this week. And so my boss emailed back a revision. And I was like, God damn it, Melanie, it happened again. She worked us to do her fucking job. And that's bullshit. Yes, it is. And I'm just now encouraging the two weeks even more because if you leave for two weeks, they are going to feel that. Yeah. Considering you're doing everyone's heavy lifting. Yeah. I think you have to be really articulate with Melanie at this juncture, really articulate and measured. And if you want to stay in this job, I know we've just met. (laughs) I would advocate for change. I really would. It sounds like there has been some like cemented in positions And I suspect that Melanie will not hear you very well, that she probably will be somewhat dismissive because she's got all this other shit going on. She is a weak boss and she is not crediting you with your hard, good work and your patience in terms of dealing with this, of having to shoulder Janice's nonsense for so long. Peyton, when you've worked with like a director How do you navigate the sticky waters, especially if there's a co-star that's being rough? I try to do the same exact things you've been doing. Put my headphones in or remove myself as much as possible from situations, block out the noise. But you can only do that so much. I mean, you've been doing that for six years. That's so much longer than I've ever had to deal with anyone. So kudos to you for having such patience and grace because I would not have that. But I agree. I do think you have to go to a meal with this person and have a conversation in a delicate way. But it's going to be so difficult because my instinct is also just to run. Like if I were you, I would just run and not deal with any of it. I would just get out of there. But you have to deal with the situation. You have to look at it in the face. I always thought that this person would kind of dig their own grave. That's what I thought too. I thought that that would have happened by now. But I think the only way for them to dig their grave at this point is for you to be removed from the situation and for everyone to see that there's still a problem even when you're out of the equation and that you're not the problem. It would be amazing if Melanie said, I understand that there's some things that I haven't been aware of. I understand that Janice doesn't always pull her own weight and I have been kind of ignoring it and I know how hard you work. I know how valuable you are and we cannot afford to lose you. It would be incredible if that happened, but we can't bank on that. So I want you to be able to protect yourself And understand this value, especially as you guys have been intertwined for so long and you've been taken for granted and you have been undervalued and not protected. And those do not make for a happy workplace. And 
I do not see a change on the horizon at all. Yeah. One of the first things she said when she started was, I'm always the boss's favorite. Oh, God. Red flag. And because at that time, I probably was the boss's favorite. For her, it's always been a competition. Right. Get at the cool kid's table. I'm like, I'm not a fucking cool kid. Never have been. (laughs) Just sit down. Mm -hmm. I just hope that the kernel of change in your brain that you're starting to kind of consider gets nurtured. I really, really hope that you have change in your life coming up. It will be scary. It'll be exhilarating. It'll be liberating. You've earned it. Clearly, things cannot go on as they have been with you just kind of taking it in the chin for the last six years. You have earned happiness. And it's as simple as that. I hope this helps. It does. It helps so much just to hear nurture the seed of change. Yeah, it's important. It really is. And it's exciting, too. Please know that I have your back and I kind of wish I had taken some of my own advice. So I want you to like redefine who you are because your story has been that you don't know what you would do without work. Yeah. That's been your tagline. I'm a workaholic. And that you love your job. You've mentioned that several times. Redefine that. You don't love your job right now. And I also heard you say that you love expressing yourself creatively. And I just hope that even on this break, if you can express yourself creatively in different ways or write for fun or whatever it is, like just kind of doing that for yourself. Yep. You have two and a half months. It's awesome. Like do something for you guys. That's such a hard thing to even think about. It gives me anxiety. That's okay. And it will because change is scary. Change is hard, but it's exciting and it's important. This is simply just the little kernel that we're just planting in the spring and maybe won't harvest until the fall. Nice. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Yes. You don't have to put too much pressure on yourself. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Thank you for writing in. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Peyton, are you in love right now? <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. I'm actually like very in love with being single right now. All right. Yeah. And just sort of figuring life out on my own. Is this the longest time you've been single? Yeah. And it feels good? It does feel good. It does feel good because I feel like I usually will rush into a relationship or rush into something else. But yeah, it does feel good. Are you comfortable feeling lonely? I'm just starting to feel comfortable with it. And I feel like traveling for work so much, like when I come home, I don't want to be lonely. I want to surround myself with people, but I am comfortable with it now. What is like the idea of home for you? I mean, I live just a few blocks away from my family. And so going back to their place, whenever I'm going through something sad is great knowing that they're so close by. Okay. Give us advice. Give us important things that you've learned in life. I guess just figuring out what it is that I need to do to recharge and I need to rest a lot. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know what I can say right now to everyone else. But I just feel like we're all in like such a healing time right now. Still, I think the post-COVID like, oh, we're all going to be even happier than we've ever been when we come out of this and we're all going to be celebrating. But I think the truth is like, At least from my group of friends, everyone's really tired and is still recovering from a lot of it. And there's a lot of sadness there as well that's kind of like just catching up to us now. And so I think just being gentle with ourselves right now and just taking time to still be healing is important. 
Do you have a favorite movie that you could watch over and over again? Yeah. 13 Going on 30. I love that movie. I love that movie too. I just, I love the reminder of like, sometimes you need to revisit your childhood things to feel at home again. I love that theme. If acting or performing were to be made illegal, what skill set do you have that you could earn an income from? I'm thinking the only thing I could do is listen to people. You know, even if it's nursing, somehow just having someone tell me what to do, but taking care of people, that would be enjoyable to me. Do you collect anything? My grandmother is 90-something, and she collects postcards. And so I realized that throughout my whole life, throughout my childhood, I always sat her postcards from everywhere in New York. Like, they don't really do it anymore, but all the pizzerias had postcards and everything. And I would always send her them, and she has them all organized, like rooms full of postcards. She's a hoarder for them. And I realized that she's leaving them to me and she keeps calling me to tell me about how she's leaving them to me. So I realized that I've been collecting postcards as well because I've been sending them to her throughout my whole life. So we've been like collecting them together almost. That's beautiful. I'm glad she collects so much. Like She's the one who got me into anything like that. Do you collect anything? Yeah, I do. I collect way too many things. Like during quarantine, I definitely discovered eBay. <laughs> I got kind of fascinated with Lucite objects. Which is like bizarre. But definitely a flaw of mine is not being able to easily throw things away. If you went into like my shower, it looks like an entire sorority lives at my house. (laughs) Even with products I don't like. Mm -hmm. I'm the same. Like I take comfort off of having like this wartime mentality of like, but what if I need this? Uh Okay. What is your relationship with the idea of fame? (laughs) Since I started acting as a kid, I feel like people would always come up to me when I was a kid and say, what's it like to be famous? You know, other kids who are the same age or younger, whatever it is. And that question, I just always would stare at people and I wouldn't know what to say to that because in my head, I don't think that I'm famous. That just seems weird. I don't know. It's hard for me to grapple with it. I don't like having a relationship with it. So when people do come up and recognize me, I just kind of treat them like a friend that I haven't talked to in a while because That feels easier to me than anything else, like having just a normal conversation. I'm really excited to watch School Spirits. Well, thanks. Paramount Plus, March 9th. (laughs) Thank you. Wow. Yeah. I know. And (laughs) thank you for describing the show for me. That was great. Peyton, thank you for trusting me. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 